It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. It is officially the offseason, and boy, oh boy, has it been a busy offseason filled with transfers and NFL declarations, coaching fires, coaching demotions, and now coaching hires. And that's where we want to start today because the biggest conversation heading into this offseason and so far in the offseason and probably headed into next year is going to be how does South Carolina fix what was, by the end of the season, one of the most dreadful offenses that I've ever had the displeasure of watching on a week-in and week-out basis. And South Carolina has chosen Mike Bobo, former Colorado State head coach, former Georgia quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, to come in and take that same position as quarterback coach and offensive coordinator to fix South Carolina's offense. It was a name that was floated early. I think there was some mutual interest. Maybe people were a little more interested in Chad Morris. Wes was more interested in some like nerd sitting in his basement yeah. playing NCAA football who had just figured out the math of it all. I was He's still of, sitting there playing right He's now. still <laughs> sitting there playing, yeah. Someone, Mike Gundy's going to pick him up and make him a very successful offensive coordinator. But South Carolina has okay. kind of – it's a must-champ thing. It's going with a safe pick. I'm not saying that it's a bad selection. I think Mike Bobo is a good hire, but it is a relatively safe hire. I'm guessing y'all weren't surprised because y'all obviously get – tips that these these things are happening before they actually happen but what's your gut reaction to the mike bobo hire push back on the safe pick really he made the safe pick this time the previous times were not safe brian well, mcclendon yeah, first the, time the play caller was, the bmac was was like a, a progressive brent pick, peace but, at florida Nah, that was i mean that was a pretty safe he'd been pick. an oc before he'd been an oc for one of the most successful offenses for like six years was he the oc he was boise the State. oc at boise state yep. And then before that was Charlie Weiss. Okay, so a little bit safer there. And then Kurt Roper was coming off of a Royals finalist yeah. year. Not a ton Duke. of experience. That's true. Actually running, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. So, but yeah, this time is definitely a safer. Yeah, for sure. Which I think a little bit of that was tied to the going in the opposite direction, right? Of you know, B Mac um, being a guy that did not have a lot of experience. Obviously, a first time play caller. He learned under some guys. He paid his dues in that regard. One of the guys he learned over, under being Mike Bobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this time going in the direction of, okay, we, we picked a guy last time that wasn't experienced. There were a lot of things that went into it as to why it ultimately wasn't successful uh, consistently over the past two years. Uh, but this time he goes, okay, we're going to hire a guy with a lot of experience, a guy he knows well, a guy he can trust, a guy who can work well with his staff members. I mean, Thomas Brown and Brian McClendon are guys that have, were on staff with Mike Bobo at Georgia. Um, a guy that has production on his resume in the past. So I think a lot of it adds up. And a lot of people wanted Muschamp to go in the direction of, okay, go hire a young hotshot type of guy. And that makes sense too. And that maybe or even probably would have worked as well. But I think to him, just trying to get inside the mind, maybe that's even riskier. Bringing in a guy who, if you want to keep your coaching staff, your offensive coaching staff intact for the most part, how will the dynamics work? Or – will that style of offense work? So this is a safer pick, but probably one that he believes has a better chance of working. Yeah, I, th- I think it goes back to fit, um, comfort level. Um, you know, I, I think you look at it and 
Muschamp needs a guy that, you know, he is completely comfortable with, completely comfortable just sort of saying, hey, you, you know, you go run the offense and um, I'm going to handle the defense. And, you know, one, one thing Chris had reported when we were sort of leading into this search was that basically Muschamp wanted a guy that had, had done it before that was a, a veteran play caller potentially if he could find it. And uh, then, you know, like you said, I think it goes back to fit. If you if you look at the uh, quote that they sent out with the hire from Muschamp, um, you know, excited, blah, blah, blah. He says, quote, he is a proven and respected play caller and quarterbacks coach who I've faced many times over the years, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mentions third down percentage, which obviously was a huge thing for South Carolina this year. Yeah, they uh, finished 0% for the year on third down conversions. <laughs> yeah, it's very improbable. Yeah. <laughs> a lack of uh, third down conversions was massive for them. And um, But then the, the final sentence here, he also has a long relationship with both Thomas Brown and Brian McClendon, so it will be a smooth transition for our offense, end quote. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's sort of, uh, you know, I've, I've often said that I felt like Will Muschamp at times has been a very unlucky coach, um, especially with some in-game situations, but it, it sort of worked out for him that you did have this guy who has done it at the SEC level, who you're familiar with, who's been a head coach for five years, is happening, you know, he happens to be getting let go at the exact moment that you're needing to make a change on offense. And hey, he's got a really strong relationship with two guys that are on your staff. And, you know, let's call it for what it is. Brian McClendon gets stripped of his play calling duties. Um, one of his really good friends, Thomas Brown, is also on staff. Um, you know, Thomas Brown has your future feature back committed in five star Marshawn Lloyd. And uh, there was a lot of moving parts to have to try to consider with this. So, you know, I, I think Muschamp, um, it, you, you could have gone the sort of, you know, my crazy, you know, all-out idea. And um, that would have been fun to, to see what would happen. But I, I think the, uh, the variance in possible uh, results was probably much larger with that. It, it could have really worked out and you find, like, the next big star or – it could have completely, you know, blown up in your face. And, you know, I just I, – I don't know if – I don't know if they feel like they being, you know, South Carolina Muschamp, the staff, Ray Tanner, I don't know if they feel like there, – there's not a season to sort of experiment with this in there. There's not a season to say, well, we got to have a year to put in, you know, to install everything to get everybody comfortable. Uh, the winning has to come now. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a part of this. B- blowing up the entire offensive staff – you would have been in a situation where there would be so much new going into next year that it would be hard to expect a lot from the offense. And and I'm sure at some point, probably all offseason, we're going to talk about the scheme and what Bobo needs to do and what he needs to accomplish. But, you know, the, to me, the very first thing that pops in my mind is, you know, what, what's this scheme going to look like as he sort of tries to, um, you know, make it fit with his personnel and, uh, you know, B, how, how quickly can he implement it? I, I think, especially this year, it's going to be much more about Bobo taking a lot of the terminology and some things that South Carolina already does and trying to make it fit with what he wants to do as opposed to completely starting over. Before we move on maybe a little bit more to whatever topic you have, Pearson, or how Bobo's going to structure the offense here, quick note, because what Wes said, uh, what he passed on that Muschamp said got my wheels turning a little bit. Mike Bobo and Muschamp head-to-head. I thought that was interesting. I'd sort of – I mean, I thought about it, but not really, and I hadn't looked it up until now. 
So head-to-head matchups between those two since Muschamp said that they'd face many times. In 2007, uh, Muschamp was the uh, defensive coordinator at Auburn uh, before he went to Texas. And so that was 2007, Georgia-Auburn, Georgia, 45-20. to Georgia put up a 45 spot on Auburn that year. Um, 2011, obviously, Muschamp had moved on to be the head coach at Florida, and they played four straight times from 2011 to 2014. So uh, 2011 matchup, 24-20 to Georgia. 2012 was that Florida team that beat South Carolina down in the swamp. At the time, they were number two in the country, Florida was. Georgia won 17-9. So sort of derailed Florida a little bit there. All right, and then 2013, Georgia won 23 to 20, and then 2014 was that inexplicable Florida win. That team was not really that good. Um, they ran the ball a ton, and they won 38 to 20 over a top 11 actually Georgia team. So not Georgia's best performance there, but other than that, Mike Bobo got the better of uh, those other matchups. And the familiarity, I think, is no small part of this. Y'all, y'all both mentioned it, and so I think it's worth reiterating because I think this could, I think this is one of the biggest elements of Will Muschamp choosing Mike Bobo. There's a lot of things that went into it. Obviously, you mentioned timing. Maybe Will Muschamp's been unlucky, although, you know, some people would say, I might say this, I don't know if I actually believe this or not, but you no know, such thing as luck. It's just a matter of preparation, meeting opportunity, and whatever, and maybe this is the right opportunity, meeting a prepared Will Muschamp, and that he was prepared to make a change, and Mike Bobo became available. So I think this could be good. Um, I'll talk about the personnel fit in a second because I think that's interesting and should be encouraging, at least for the short-term future for Carolina, but the continuity is important. And obviously not continuity because Mike Bobo's never been in South Carolina before, but because Thomas Brown's on staff, because Brian McClendon's on staff, because Will Muschamp's on staff, we, we saw the Gamecocks part ways with Jeff Dillman and Dan Werner in the offseason. They demoted Brian McClendon, but clearly they value what he brings to the table offensively and as a receiver coach and especially as a recruiter enough that they didn't want to just get rid of him. They saw enough in what he brings that it was important to keep him on staff. And so, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and now that we have an actual hire to talk about, this is sort of the reality. If you go and you hire someone like Kalen DeBoer that, that BMAC doesn't have any sort of relationship with, you know, all of a sudden maybe he's more inclined to whenever a smaller school says, hey, uh, we see you got demoted over there. You want to come be ROC? And not like, you know, Furman's small school. Maybe it's something like, you know, Tulsa or SMU after somebody poaches Rhett Lashley, something like that. He will get another opportunity. He will get another offer. And so for South Carolina, it's a matter of how do we keep this guy around, even though we're demoting him, because we value him? How do we keep him around? And a good way to do that is to have someone that he has a relationship with. And the other thing that it allows you to do, because clearly change is needed in the offensive meeting room at South Carolina, but I also think continuity is important. To your point, if you bring in a whole new offensive staff, you can't really be expected to turn things around in basically one offseason. And we also know, uh, because we're about to talk about it, Will Muschamp has restructured his contract in a way that would make a theoretical buyout after this year a little less painful for the university. So they're they're basically saying, hey, you know, this is your chance. Good luck with this hire, um, but also kind of taking that into account. And so Will Muschamp recognizes that. So you need to, to make whatever changes you feel like are going to help you while also – I guess creating as little upheaval as humanly possible. And I think Bobo sort of checks all those boxes. And then to go to the personnel point, I know some people have, and again, Wes, you and I talked a lot about this last week and we're sort of in agreement, something energetic, something new, progressive, fresh, fun, like a little more 2019, I think would be fun. I think theoretically would be nice for Carolina, again, just to infuse some energy into the program, especially on that side of the ball. But the reality is, even if you bring in the most dynamic offensive coordinator in all of America right now, 
you're not necessarily going to have the personnel to to play like that. You, your presumptive starting quarterback going into next season is Ryan Holinsky, who's not very mobile, so it kind of limits what you can do. And, yes, he's a good pocket passer. Yes, he's got a quick release. And he could probably run a pretty effective West Coast offense. But you also are returning very little proven receiver talent, so that limits you there. Where your strengths are theoretically going to be coming back is bringing back a lot of offensive linemen that are big, but they're also fast and athletic, that like to get out in space and block, that blocked very well for Carolina's running backs for most of this year. A five-star running back, which, by the way, shout-out rivals for finally giving Marshawn Lloyd that fifth star after being four stars for a long time. And a quarterback who has not really shown yet through a up-and-down freshman season where he was banged up to be a game-breaker, but a very good very competent game manager, someone that doesn't turn the ball over, somebody that can you know make those short and intermediate throws. But you're not going to be winning games, and you're also not going to be losing games, by and large, with Ryan Holinsky at quarterback, at least based on what we've seen. And given that that's sort of what Mike Bobo was doing, I mean, he had some elements of spread, obviously, in his offense, especially towards the end of his Georgia tenure, but he was the OC for, like, what, seven, eight years there? And it was mostly more pro-style stuff. It was a lot of under center. It was a lot of eye form, hands it off to the running back, and then you have guys like, you know, Matt Stafford was awesome, but then you have guys like, you know, Aaron Murray that's just a good quarterback in that sort of, like, game manager mold, and I feel like that style of offense is going to be a little bit easier to bring to South Carolina and implement immediately in 2020, again, especially with the personnel. Yeah, and you can always sort of evolve, you know, as an offense. Um, you know, you look back, if, if you look at Bobo's numbers at Georgia, obviously different talent, but... um you know, and, and I've been guilty of this as well. I was like, you know, well, look at the running backs he had. But if you look at his last, you know, I think four or five years at Georgia, uh, statistically, their top four, I think I when I looked, it was top four in the SEC in scoring offense. Uh, four of the last five years he was there. Um, they were number five in the other one that wasn't in the top four. Uh, number one in the SEC, I think once or twice during that span, averaging like 41 or 42 points a game. It was 34 um, points a game over the life of his career as OC there. Yeah, like so, 33.8. So, you know, you, you've got a situation there where, you know, he's he's put up points and he understands offense and he's he's going to have to adapt. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, we, we do get caught up in pro style versus spread and uh, then what type of spread are you running and – a lot of these, a lot of these coaches, all, to me, all the systems have sort of gotten, uh, like, just melded together almost, and every everybody steals a little bit from. Now, you know, what are you going to major in? I, I think is is one part of it, and people talk about identity. Um, you know, I I don't know if we we can answer that yet. Uh, you know, I talked to Luke Doty, which is another story maybe we can talk about. I talked to Luke Doty last night because Bobo obviously was officially hired on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so Tuesday night, um, he and Muschamp were at Doty's house, and you know I asked Luke, hey, what you know, what did he talk about the scheme? And I, you know, I was curious for myself as well, and he said they they didn't get into the ins and outs of the X's and O's, um, which my guess is I don't think Bobo quite knows yet either. No, because, I mean he's got to come in and assess what he's got. Yeah, and his, his answer to to Luke was. Obviously, and you know this is recruiting talk. Um, our plan is, you know, to put up points, to score points, have fun, blah 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 blah. But he said, you know, the scheme will be one hundred percent based on the personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's what we have, and here's what we think we can do with it. And um, you know, and, and you're a big part of that. Um, you know, was sort of the message. So, you know, I, I'm, I'll be car- very curious. But I, I think as you look around college football, you can win 
and the great thing about college football is you can win a variety of ways. There, there's very, very different um, approaches throughout college football that you can win, but a lot of these schemes, they start getting mixed in more and more to where, you know, pro-style offense sort of has a almost a negative connotation at this point because it doesn't sound new. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not to mention the pro games yeah. as spread as we've ever seen. I mean, Lamar Jackson's about to win the MVP just running yeah. a college offense in the so, NFL. Yeah, the pro-style offense is now a lot of what we've seen in college mm-hmm. for years. Now, now you have Joe Burrow at LSU absolutely setting the conference on fire, mm-hmm. about to win the Heisman in a, quote, pro-style offense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would add, I think a big part of the reason their offense is so good from what I've seen is also that Joe Burrow is way faster than anybody ever gives him credit for, and he extends plays like crazy and makes big plays with his feet. So I, I think that's still a part of it. But And for those um, of you that are listening that are confused because um, you used to Chris chiming in here, we are talking about Joseph Burrow. Chris yes. always likes to add Joseph uh, Burrow. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I – He's texting, so I had to do it for to him. clear that up. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I do have a man crush on Joseph Burrow and his He's ability. But, awesome. uh, but, yeah, that that is a pro-style offense, yeah. whatever, so, whatever that means. But anymore. you're right. Like, there, there are a very – there's a very small number of schools that are very dogmatic about doing one thing. You know, Carolina's mm-hmm. not going to be Wisconsin – and they're not going to be Washington State. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. But I, I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is when Carolina's at their best, it's when they're able to run the ball, run first. Again, especially if you have Marshawn Lloyd and some of these offensive linemen that, while the offensive line struggled at times pass blocking this year, was man, pretty much always at least good to decent at run blocking. The App State game kind of stands out, but there are so many weird things about that game. I don't even – I don't know who you bl- blame that game on, but – you know, the offensive line certainly takes some blame for that. But that's sort of the strength of what you're doing. So it's got to be run first and pass second, not just because you don't know exactly what Ryan Holinsky can do. You don't know if he can go out there and win you a football game, like I said, because anytime he ever threw the ball more than 40 or 50 times, it didn't go well for Carolina. Part of that's because the only reason he had to throw the ball 40 to 50 times is because they were trailing. Part of that's because, you know, maybe he's not going to be Joe Burrow. I think that's probably safe to say, at least at this point. And then I think most importantly, to go back to lack of playmakers, Shai Smith is your best guy coming back. And he had a real kind of nothing year. And Josh Van, who led the SEC in drops, at least for a while. I don't know if he did by the end of the season. And Xavier Leggett, who came on a little bit as a freshman. But, you know, what are you expecting from him? Is he going to be a third option? He's going to be a second option. Yeah. And there was a lot of expectation about him coming into the year. Obviously, it's hard to come in right away as a freshman. But not a lot of options there. So point is, if he wants to come in and do a little more run first, 60-40, whatever. That's how I always set my sliders on uh, NCAA football, I'm always a 60-40 run guy, so I'm cool with it. I, I think it's I think it's a good hire, but mostly because again the continuity. You keep Brian McClendon on staff, so you keep his recruits, guys like Rico Powers, and then also because what he has done traditionally. And I, I don't even know. I didn't watch a ton of Colorado State. Eric Kimry said on my local show on 107.5 the other day that they did run a little more spread, a little more inside zone stuff at Colorado State than he did at Georgia. So I don't know how much of that we're going to see, but I, I think generally the personnel meshes with the philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's still a question about in terms of what, what they are going to do. But um, he ran – the offense that he ran at Colorado State at times looked a good bit different than what they did at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Pearson, you were talking about Aaron Murray earlier. Meow. And your point is well taken. Uh, you think about Georgia's – was that a cat? Huh? What was that? I don't know. Okay. Jo- Georgia's offense was definitely, you think about it, and you think about run the football, big offensive line, you know, similar to what you think of Georgia now. That's sort of been their identity. 
And that was. I mean, you look at who they had. No Sean Marino and Todd Gurley. You know, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, all those guys. Yeah, no Sean Marino. The, no Sean I mean, Marino. That, that was the focal First point. You pick. have Matthew Stafford, who was the number one overall right. pick, who's obviously had a much longer and successful no, uh, career than no Sean Marino. And some of that has to do with quarterback versus running back, but that's sort of the point. Like, Marino was the focal point of that, not Matthew Stafford. He was. But Aaron Murray also set the SEC passing record. Yards or touchdowns? Yards. Really? He, th- he didn't throw for less than 3,049 yards in a season. Really? Right. Huh. So this is what, you, you know, now – were that I guess it, was he a three year starter? He was a four year starter, yeah, okay, so that, that helps. helps but yeah, it's, it's like the Jake Bentley thing. Hey, but but three thousand yards a season yeah, every a year. Three thousand forty nine, thirty one forty nine, thirty eight ninety three as a junior. Okay, so almost four thousand yards, and then three thousand seventy five in twenty thirteen. Mm. I think so, Joe Burrow is closing in on six thousand right now. Yeah, something Not like actually, that. It's like 4,800. Well. Twenty twelve. I mean, that number is almost even. You know, he threw for almost four thousand. If he would have. If Georgia could have done anything against South Carolina in that 2012 game, Aaron Murray's probably over 400 yards. I think Clowney had like 40 sacks in that game, or, or just and Murray know, threw at least one pick. Over. That one that like Devonte Holloman had, like diving with his arms extended. Yeah, yep, yeah. So I mean, the point is, you know, he he's had good quarterbacks most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played, you know, Matt Stafford played as a freshman. Aaron Murray played as, as a redshirt freshman. Um, and then you you go back and look, and I know Wes is going to have more on this. This week, GamecockCentral.com, um, just taking a closer look at, at some stuff that Bobo did at Colorado State because that's been a question people have. And it's been interesting because you'll go back and watch their their film from what they did this year, and they would open up in four or five wide sometimes. Uh, then then the next next formation, they're in, they're in four wide and they're stack. And then the next formation, they're like, you know, they're in three wide with an H-back. You know, and they'll they'll do some different stuff with H back, but then you know, very multiple. They'll, they'll either go. Does score. Carolina have four or five wide receivers? Well, they they don't have four or five proven ones. Yeah. So you know, it, again, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But um, you know, they'll do that, but then they'll come out the following drive at Colorado State and they run I formation, mm-hmm. run play action, or run the ball. So, you know, what they do will be very interesting. I think it'll probably be multiple, and and but uh, it's a question mark. Um, but he's a guy that has. We, we've seen now he has experience doing all those things. A couple more things on personnel, but I want to take a quick detour first because otherwise I know we won't come back to it. The other part of the board approving, approving Mike Bobo's contract yesterday afternoon was an amendment to Will Muschamp's contract and a raise for Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown gets a bump from $300,000 a year to $500,000 a year, and that $200,000 is coming directly from Will Muschamp's, what, what do they call it, an elevator clause, escalator clause? Escalator clause, yeah. Yeah, one of those things that helps move you upwards where basically every year for his contract he got an extra 200 k basically sort of like a retention bonus kind of thing. And he's forfeited that. Now, I guess for the remainder of his career, or remainder of his contract, contract the yeah. lifespan of his contract, to go to Thomas Brown. So I don't know how much of that was the board slash Ray Tanner saying, hey, we think this will be a good idea. I know, I know they say it came from Will. I don't know. That's the official word, and that's great, and that's nice, and you're believing in your guy, and clearly Thomas Brown, for what he's doing, hopefully hanging on to Marshawn Lloyd for South Carolina and doing a really good job with that running back room for the most part of this year until guys got banged up. Absolutely deserved it. But I think more than anything, and I alluded to this earlier, it would make a theoretical buyout of Will Muschamp's contract a little bit easier because you're saving yourself $2 million on the on the back end of this contract, basically. Yeah, I mean, as much as we maybe give some people over there um, crap for how some things have been handled this offseason, um, you know, comments from President BOT, all that stuff, uh, 
all the way around, I thought this was like a super just prudent, like very sharp, smart move for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, Thomas Brown, very, very, very highly thought of in the coaching community. I mean, I, I think this guy, if you if you consider his resume, uh, his ability as a player, his ability to get players, uh, I thought we saw when they were healthy, I thought we saw a jump from Tavian Feaster and Rico Daddle this year. Just ev- everything you look for in a running backs coach. I think Thomas Brown is like, and I, I don't know, I couldn't name the top ten running backs coaches in America, but this dude's up there. And I guarantee if he said, I want to get out of here, he'd have a job lined up tomorrow. And Marshawn Lloyd would not be coming to South Carolina anymore. Exactly. So it uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I think it actually makes a ton of s- business sense from Will Muschamp's approach of, as far as taking some ownership and saying, you know, let's do this. My, my guy needs to be taken care of. You know you probably can't go to the board and say, I need another $200,000. Um, to pay Thomas Brown, you know, after a four and eight season, so get you know, give him my money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, that shows your staff that you're sort of uh, committed to him. It shows everybody else that you're taking some blame. I, I feel like um, it lowers the uh, the buyout. It's uh, I mean, top to bottom, I, you know, I, I think I think Muschamp deserves some credit, you know, for for the idea and for going with it, and I, I think. Uh, I think everybody over there deserves credit on that one. It, it actually really does make a lot of sense. And there's been some stuff over there that just has not made a lot of sense this offseason as far as the administration, in my opinion. So um, give them credit where it's due here. Yeah, I'm killing two birds with one stone there. And the other part of that, Mike Bobo's contract is officially two years, $1.2 million. And I think there's some bonus structure in there. That was exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah, and, you know, when we follow this stuff, um, I think it's always interesting if you look at comments on like Facebook or Twitter, or, um, Instagram, stuff Facebook. like that, um, have to be. Well. And, you know, people that like don't follow, follow like the details of college football, mm-hmm. like, A, there, there are people complaining, of course, on our Facebook about the Thomas Brown, you know, nobody deserves a raise. But, and I'm like, well, you probably would be one of the same people complaining that there wasn't foresight from the administration to see that a guy might leave and, you know, and taking care of them. But then, you know, there was uh, some people complaining about the 1.2 mil two year. And I'm like, exactly what BMAC was making. You, uh, is that what BMAC was making? Do you or remember? Maybe right at a mil. I, th- I don't know. It was, it was at least 2. a mil. Yeah. I think I thought um, maybe 1.1, maybe it was like right about that. But if you, you're it's getting kind of the going right right now, Yeah, you're getting a, you know, a guy that's done it, an older coach, um, it's coming off a head coaching job. I mean, he's got they, 20 years coaching experience. They actually – I thought they – I I wasn't going to be surprised if the contract came through and it said three years, 1.4, you know, 1.5, just because – especially all the talk of Georgia, like the fact that there was some leverage, and then Georgia scores three points um, in the SEC championship game. Yeah, if this if this was year two for James Coley and not year one, I think that might have been a harder decision for Bobo because I think Georgia might have been a little more willing to move on, but – Seems yeah. like they're sticking with him for at least a, well, one more year. You know, behind the scenes, there, there's a lot of talk that um, if if they could have gotten it done with Bobo, then there would have been a change this year for Georgia. So, uh, you know, knowing all that, I, I thought Carolina actually, from a contract standpoint, it, it was going to be multi a multi year deal. That was yeah, yeah. That was going to have to be the whether case. it was two or three, yeah, kind of splitting I, hairs. Now, now, Muschamp's contract goes through 2023. 
three. Is that correct? That makes sense because you're talking about when we're talking about the escalator, it's two this year, and then that double, so that's four, two, four, six, and then eight. That gets you to the two mil that Carolina would theoretically be saving, which would take you through twenty twenty three. Something like that. So they're saving is, three. They're saving three mil. Is it three? Well, it's, it's what? It's, I, I don't know. Well, I that, thought it was through twenty twenty four. It might be Champ's contract. Yeah, twenty twenty four. It is yeah. twenty four. Okay, all right, cool. Then, then that's the three million dollars. Um, but point is, so it's two years. If it turns around, obviously that like really becomes a quick extension. But like three years, four years, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if that were the case, just because you know make it match like the lifespan of Will Muschamp's contract. But again, I wasn't really expecting. I wasn't expecting more than one point two, and then the two years seems about fine. That's kind of the timeline of this program right now. Because if it's not turned around in two years then the, the rest of these contracts aren't going to matter because they're going to be bought out. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought it all made, made sense. And then, um, you know, y- yesterday, w- with all the with all the turmoil with this program, um, yesterday just made a lot of sense. It, it went without uh, – it went very smooth, I thought. Yeah. And then Bobo was on the road in Luke Doty's house uh, eating chicken bog by last night. So, mm. um, I love chicken bog. So we use that to segue into – a conversation about personnel. Obviously, we talked a little bit about about what Mike Bobo is going to theoretically have to work with, just in terms of the guys that are coming back. And next week, I guess a week from today, December 18th is the first day of the early signing period. Y'all are obviously going to be covering that extensively. I don't plan to hear from either of you for most of the next two weeks, except for to do this podcast, because y'all are going to be really busily at work. And y'all are also going to be doing a takeover on 107.5 The Game, which has become sort of a fun annual tradition for us. So really looking forward to that. Um, but before we get into some of the recruits that Carolina is eyeing on inking in that early signing period, one quick personnel note that caught me by surprise a little bit, Carolina is not going to have Kyle Markway coming back, who for the first part of the season was pretty reliable, not as much down the stretch, but it's hard to really like single him out because the whole entire offense was just so miserable and so lifeless for the final stretch of the season. You don't really hold it against him. I was a little bit surprised by this news, and I think this hurts Carolina because now your only experience, real experienced tight end coming back is Nick Muse is going to be coming off the ACL surgery. You obviously have Travion Kenyon and Kadarius Toney, who, I mean, I think played like, I don't know, like combined 50 snaps this year, something like that. So you don't have a lot of options. Marco was a proven blocker. He was like, I guess, an up and down pass catcher, but at least someone that you could throw the ball to, which is, you know, more than you can say for a guy like Chandler, Chandler Farrell, who I don't know if he'll be playing tight end or back on the offensive line or whatever next year. That's a surprising loss for Carolina, and not a big loss, but I think it's worth noting. Were you all surprised that he went pro? You know, I, I thought it could could go either way going in. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was expecting one way or the other. I, I just – I got the impression um, – you know, I had reached out to somebody close to Mark Way yesterday. I got the impression that he just felt like rather than come back for what would have been a sixth year that, um, you know, you're, you're starting to get up there in age as far as NFL, you know, future goes. Uh, he's had so many injuries early on in his career, and they were very, very tough injuries. And, um, you know, the, the guy went through a lot in his career at South Carolina, and I think he just felt like sometimes it's just time. Um, you know, you're going to have a new offensive coordinator. Now, I'll say this. I I think Markway actually would have fit in really, really well with some of the just – the early stuff we've looked at from Colorado State and, you know, I think personnel-wise that H-back and the the fullback is probably the same person in that scheme. You know, I, I think maybe moving a guy like Markway around um, probably fits very, very well with, with what 
so some of the things I think South Carolina will look to do. He's going to so, be pissed when Nick Muse has like 750 yards and six touchdowns next year. Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that actually, for for me, you know, you mentioned Keyshawn Tawney. I, I can see Keyshawn Tawney having a big role if he has a big offseason within this offensive scheme because I do think there's going to be a little more sort of lead blocker uh, moving that guy around as an H-back and putting him in the backfield and, and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he sort of fits that. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I, I agree. I, I think it's a big loss. I think this is a, a loss in leadership as well, a guy that handled himself well, always spoke to the media and, um, you know, was a good sort of front man for the program, I think. Carolina's had, I mean, pretty much as long as I can remember, like since I was in middle school, Carolina's always had at least one good tight end, which is sort of something that I feel like has been taken for granted. Plenty of guys that have had either long careers in the NFL or at least made it to the league, made it on a team, something like that. And then the last couple of years has been a lot of bad luck with obviously Keel Pollard being ruled medically ineligible, having to retire from football. Um, and now Mark Way leaving early again. I don't think it's like a devastating loss. It's not the difference in Carolina turning their offense around or not, but it is a loss. Cause like you pointed out, in addition to what he brings in terms of productivity on the field, you're losing a little bit of leadership. Someone that's been around the program for a while. Um, but you hope that some of these younger and athletic guys can, help fill his shoes. And obviously Nick Muse coming back showed flashes this year. So hopefully that's not a, a huge loss, but that's some personnel on the way out. Some personnel on the way in early signing period, the 18th to the 22nd Wednesday to Saturday of next week. And if the last couple of years have been in the education, it seems like most of the business of early signing period gets done in those first couple of days. So who are some names? We'll do a pod, uh, I guess, right before signing day next year to, to give like a real primer, but just big picture. Whom should Carolina fans be? or for whom should Carolina fans be looking this early signing period? Well, almost everybody. Um, you know, the past two classes, the early signing period has been here, what, two classes now, 2018, yeah, 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, all but, I think if I have this number right, all but six combined have, you know, committed and signed out of the past two classes in December. And so, obviously, it's a priority for South Carolina and other coaches around the country. You want to get guys in as early as possible because then you don't have to worry about them. You don't have to go through the entire month of January with the possibility of those prospects are able to visit other schools. Uh, coaches are able to go see them at their school or um, at their parents' place of work or uh, home visits. And so it's just a headache. And then you're able to sort of have a set number of guys in your class. You know exactly how many slots you've got left. Then you're able to go out and finish things out. So um, they'll try to get most of them. There are a couple commitments that aren't going to sign early Um as of right now, you know, Kai Kroger, the punter, Alex Huntley, those guys are going to wait until February. Um, we haven't confirmed all of them, but the vast majority of the committed class will probably sign early. A lot of them are early enrollees, guys like Luke Doty that Wes mentioned earlier. Um, and then there's going to be a, a couple guys that are deciding around that time frame too as far as targets. Jaheim Bell is one, the tight end out of Georgia. Um, he'll make an announcement on December 18th. And then Jordan Birch obviously is a big one and. Last we heard looked like December 19th, so the second day of the early signing period when he would announce. Um, so some other other movement could happen there. Um, you know, Reggie Grimes is out there as a guy that's committed to Oklahoma, South Carolina State in contact. Will he sign early? Will he hold things until February? So there's still some questions, I think, uh, remaining there. Zaquandre White. Zaquandre White. Juco yep. uh, running back, at least one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's sort of looking at South Carolina and Tennessee, I think. And uh, – and the numbers are tight at this point. So uh, it's always a a battle there at the end to try and you got to fill as many slots as possible, but you want to fill them with the guys that you want to fill them with. And you got to sort of have a 
I think it's very important to to trust as a staff to trust your information you're getting about, you know, am I in good shape with this guy or, or not? Because you you can't if it's a guy that you have to have or you really want, you sort of have to save that slot for him. But then if you get surprised and the kid goes somewhere else, then you're like, okay, I need to fill this slot with somebody else. It's funny how much the early signing period has changed the narrative around recruiting because it's still the early signing period. And you mentioned some guys like Kai Kroger and Boogie Huntley that are going to be holding off their official inkings until February when the actual national signing day is. But just because, as you mentioned, has been so prolific, especially for La- for South Carolina the last couple of years, I think fans start to get a little bit nervous. So when they hear you, Chris, say Kai Kroger and Boogie Huntley are waiting until February, I know at least a couple of people listening all of a sudden get kind of nervous is that cause for concern, or is it just what they decided they wanted to do? I really don't know on Kroger. Uh, Huntley, I mean, you know, anytime a guy, un- until a guy is signed, unless there's just an absolute clear cut, you know, exactly what's going on, you know, you're going to say, well, why are they not signing? That's natural to do. Um, I think with, with Huntley, there's some logistical things behind it. But also, I mean, look, a lot of things happened recently that, you know, created a perception you know, about what was going on in Columbia. And, and some of it some of it wasn't even really based in reality, but it was out there. And so um, there was some, um, some damage control that South Carolina had to do with the recruiting class, whether it was targets or committed guys. And, and they had to work their way through that. So, look, I mean, if you're a prospect, obviously coaches are going to want you to sign early, but you have the right to hold off and sign in February and just make sure, you know, get into January and, and just go that route. So I think it's just a combination of stuff. I think South Carolina is going to be fine with Huntley at the end of the day. I really do think it'll be fine. I'm more um, worried about Kai for Carolina because I think we <laughs> talked about this when he initially committed to South Carolina. The track record of punters and kickers named Kai or some derivation of Kai is outstanding. Carolina needs to land that. That's that's just, I mean, you have Kai Forbath. You have Kaimi Fairbairn, both kicking in the NFL right now. Obviously, Kai Kroger, a guy that we're talking about who's well-regarded as far as that position goes. Uh, were there any other guys that I forgot that are Kai or Kaimi or some derivation that are good kickers or punters? I don't know. You already said four bath, right? Yeah. 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 No, I'm not sure. Oh, and that did remind me, sorry to get off your point about punters named Kai, but um, there's a kicker, Mitch Jeter, that South Carolina also offered Ooh, last night who's visiting on Sunday. Now, I don't have a ton of details as to – it is a scholarship offer. I don't have a ton of details of – People have wondered, is it a gray shirt? I don't know yet. but So Carolina's got a pretty good idea of the majority of the guys coming in. There are some guys that are probably on the fence that they're not sure one way or the other. Um, I know there are some guys, like Miles Murphy was originally committed to South Carolina. He decommitted. He committed to North Carolina. Is he someone that's expected to go in the early signing period, and where is he projected to go at this point? Miles Murphy, I, every, I don't know when he's signing, but I don't think there's any. You know, so Carolina fell hard no, and nothing. fast. In, in terms of his ranking of schools? Because he was committed and then decommitted, right? No, he was not. Well, he wasn't publicly committed. Okay, all right. <laughs> he, uh, so he was never South committed. Carolina was in good shape, and, you know. That, and then North Carolina of, took over. Yeah, and then even down the stretch, I mean, different people were told different things about where he was going, but there's a little bit more, you know, behind the scenes probably pointing to North Carolina, but there was a lot of people that continued to be told it was it was South Carolina. So, that, that's why there's a little bit of a question there at the end. but Including guys committed to South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody you know, everybody committed to South Carolina heard directly that it was going to be South Carolina, and it wasn't. So that happens sometimes, not a ton, not as much as people say. 
All right, so definitely not him. Who are some other guys that Carolina's been in the mix with that haven't necessarily publicly committed that are going to be on the fence that Carolina may be eagerly awaiting a decision in December? Yeah, I think I think you hit them all. I think we that hit all it. of them. Really. Yeah, so I mean, they so they have like there could seventeen be or eighteen that are up. just gonna happen, and then you gotta wait and see on a, like four or five. Yeah, and you know they might have to carry and then February a couple guys into February maybe. Yeah, but um, you know it, it'll be interesting, and and some players could pop up late. I mean, um, yeah, you know if if Grimes signs early, do they get in on another D lineman? You know, late. Um, do they do they take a look at another offensive lineman? Maybe. Um, what's the kicker situation? You know, I, I mean, I think there are a few questions, but by and large, we know most of the guys. Jakari Caldwell. Yeah, Jakari Caldwell. Um, yep, yeah, that's, that's another guy to watch. Uh, receiver out of Northwestern. South Carolina offered him last week. They were by. Bentley went by last Monday. Uh, loved what they saw. Offered him. He's a senior. He's had a big senior year. Um, kid picked up, oh, it was like 10 offers within a week. Um just has blown up, uh, finally got some film out there. Northwestern, for as long as I remember, Northwestern High School had outstanding quarterback play. And um, that the last couple of years they have not. And uh, this kid, he's a six foot four, 193-pounder, runs a 4.5 at the Shrine Bowl. Um, I think a 4.2-something shuttle, uh, which is crazy at that size. Um, just didn't really have the film to back to back all that up yet and his senior film came out it was really really good and then teams have jumped on him um if South Carolina can land him um which I think they potentially can fit him in there I I think he I think Rico Powers is probably my favorite of their receiver commits but Jakari Caldwell I think would quickly rankings or not I don't care about that I think he would quickly shoot up to probably my second favorite receiver for South Carolina in this class just because of the upside. Um, he's a big kid. South Carolina has had size at the position, but uh, Jakari's a big kid who can run. And they need a guy, in my opinion, that can stretch the field, um, take the top off the defense. If you look at South Carolina later in the year, uh, Chris talked about this last week, everybody's playing man coverage, but also, I mean, the safeties were, were just playing so close to the line of scrimmage because there's no threat over the top. And to me, when you also, when you play Shy Smith, who's probably your best deep threat in the slot, which South Carolina does, he's he's not running a bunch of vertical routes most of the time. He's running, you know, posts, uh, crossing routes, slants, stuff like that. The occasional slot fade down the sideline, wheel route. But for the most part, your outside receivers are your guys that, that stretch the field. And South Carolina has not had an outside guy that can just really take the top off of defense. So I think adding team speed, Big priority for the Gamecocks, at least for me, moving forward, and something they've missed. And um, Caldwell's a guy who's big enough to play outside, but also does have – he's a long strider, track guy. He can, uh, you know, maybe potentially help that down the road. And power is still pretty solidly Carolina at this point? I think so. I mean, BMAC staying on, I I think, uh, is a huge deal with him. Um, I think we mentioned it when he committed to Hapeville Charter, which is where – Rico is now. He transferred in. Uh, the coach there um, does an outstanding job getting his guys ready for the next level. But the coach there has known BMAC. Um, I think he told me since BMAC was like a player. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like they've, they've known each other forever. And um, so I, the demotion hasn't like made him sour on just how the, I guess the staff no, feels about McClure. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. So 
I, I think they're good there. And I, I think, you know, you look, um, obviously Luke Doty, obviously Marshawn Lloyd, but right, you know, right up there I have Rico Powers. I think is a guy that's got a, you know, big future and, and probably could potentially play early at South Carolina. So we'll have a little more extensive breakdown, obviously, next week. We'll probably do this podcast a day early since Wednesday is early signing period, and y'all are going to be unbelievably swamped, and you will be on Tuesday too, but I'm going to force you to do a podcast because you've got to give the people what they want. But we'll do a few more specifics on a couple guys that Carolina will obviously be watching. Before we get out of here, though, one more unresolved bit of personnel business for South Carolina. Obviously, as they await recruits, they are also awaiting a final decision on a strength and conditioning coach. South Carolina's filled the empty quarterback coach position. They filled the empty offensive coordinator position. That's the last piece of the equation. And, Wes, that was one that you identified at the beginning of the offseason as arguably more important or at least as as important, at least as important as as, at least as important. <laughs> That's how important it is. Yeah, it's it as two, as important. Two ases. <laughs> it is as important. <laughs> the strength and conditioning coach. Y'all both posted or y'all have been posting Great updates, as y'all did for the offensive coordinator search with the coaching staff. If y'all want to see it, you have to go to GamecockCentral.com, and you have to be a subscriber, which if you're not, you can use the exclusive podcast code GCPOD to be an insider for a month for free. And Great we, time we got to do all it. kinds of deals. Going yeah, you have got right a ton of deals. Too. It's Christmas time, and there's no better time to be subscribed to GamecockCentral.com. Chris Santa Claus Clark is out here just throwing out deals. Um, if, you, if you like Nike, by the way, uh, you can sign up now and get a $75 gift card to Nike. Um which actually works online, in-store, um, and you still get 25% off your annual sub as well. So annual sub normally is like 100 bucks, 25% off, so you, you buy the sub for $75, and in turn we'll email you an e-gift card of $75 value to Nike. So uh, basically it all evens out to, to zero. Um, and actually, you know what, if if you want to get 50% off and you don't like Nike for whatever reason, just type in Gamecocks on the promo code and you can get it for 50% off uh, an annual sub as well. So however you feel best works for you, try one of those things. There, There's no excuse not to sign up is what I'm telling you. And how long um, are these deals around? Um, the, the Nike one is while supplies last, like mm. literally there's a certain amount of gift cards where so allowed by the time you're listening to, to this, give away, yeah, um, worried about it. you know, the Gamecocks one, the 50%, um, we'll see. We'll probably, we may keep that running a little bit longer. GC pod is always the, the way to go, GC but, pod, but that's but, just a month, but it is for free. I was about to say, so here's what you got. GC pod, you get 30 days free, but that can't be combined with other offers. So once you're 30 days free free is over you're paying you know the ten dollars a month or you know you're paying the, the full price on the annual whereas if you say all right i'm ready to roll the dice with these guys and get really good gamecock coverage and find out what's going on you can either for get early signing period for the coaching search for spring which i mean is going to be here before we know it yeah use the gamecocks code which is 50 percent off or use the code the code is nike um use the nike code and you get 25 percent off plus a free 75 dollar gift card which you know, I would say you could get some ice Christmas present with that, or you could just be selfish and get yourself a Christmas present. Well, that's that, still a nice Christmas which present. Which is what I would do. It's not less nice because it's for you. It it's more nice. There's Nike outlets like, oh, yeah. close to here. Isn't there one in Gaffney, I think? Yeah, there's Definitely one in, one in Commerce, Beach. Georgia. I used to go there a lot. I there's think. one in Gaffney? It's like yeah, that in the, in, the, in the Peach Water Tower? The Big Yellow the Mall, they call it. There, there's the a big yellow outdoor mall. Yeah, I mean, there's a great oh, yeah, outlet right, mall right. up there. No. Uh, Myrtle Beach, like Wes said. So, I mean, you could go to the outlet, which is already discounted. 
Take your Nike gift card. Get some cool gear. Uh, that's the thing. Gamecock Central subscription is already pretty cheap, in my opinion. It's like a quarter a day for an annual. Oh, that's it. Twenty-seven cents a day is. What How many it comes quarters just like fall out of your pocket over the course of a year? Exactly. You can just find some in the parking lot. Yes. Yeah, but now, like Wes said, no brainer. Come on. Yeah. So anyway, come join us. All that to say, incredible coverage all the time, and lately. The, again, the last sort of missing piece for the staff going into 2020 is the strength and conditioning coach. Wes, you talked about the importance of it. Who are some of the names that you're hearing right now, and what do you think the timeline is for that position to be filled? You want to hit that, Chris, or you want me to hit it? It doesn't matter. Well, he said Wes, but I'll do it. Okay. What na- names? Let's reserve names for GC Pod or Nike or other subscribers. You got it. That's okay. Let's do that. Uh, we, we so do, the first guy we, we want to talk about some. is Redacted. <laughs> right. Beep. Beep. Yeah. No, but but we do have some. But um, you know, there's been a question about you know timeline and where do you pull candidates from and what they're looking for. So from what we've gathered, it looks like Will Muschamp wants to go with a younger guy. Um, I'm young. You are, but I hit the gym. You, you're. I think you're in pretty good shape. But you know, they they need a guy who can teach it as well. Mm. And so I'm good at nutrition. They're gonna and and you are good at nutrition. I'll give you that. But Y'all should see what this guy eats for lunch. Yeah. The I, most nutritious shake. Is it called a shake? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a smoothie. I just make it because it's easy to come in. So I do my show from 12 to 1, and then normally I'll be, like, editing this in the afternoon or, like, this afternoon I'm going to be on in place of Tommy with Jay. So I'm going to be on from 12 to 4, so i got to bring something that's mobile. So it I just make a little shake. It's packed. Strawberries, good. Bananas, good. A little bit of yogurt. Just homemade, so there's no like, yeah. added sugar or anything, so that's yeah. good. Some chia seeds, some flax seeds, you don't even taste those. It just gives you all your essential amino acids and a lot of other good nutrients in there. They're also very caloric, so I'm not, like, starving myself. A little bit of spinach, a little bit of peanut butter, all good things. I grate a little fresh ginger in there because it's an anti-inflammatory. Um, You're hired. Seriously, yeah. Will, what are you doing? I will come be your nutritionist. Your smoothie's not very smooth, though. Hmm? You know, like well, it's a little so the, chunky. The, the chia seeds and the flax seeds absorb yeah. some of the excess moisture. Um, so it ends up. Not I, I, I eat it with a sp- straw. I, I don't drink I it. No, I eat it with a spoon. But it still tastes good. I mean, look, peanut <laughs> butter, and strawberry, and banana. That's that's the overwhelming flavor profile of the thing. But it's like green with seeds. Well, it it's looks green pretty good. I'll, I'll try it sometime. It's really good. It's a spoony though. Not yeah. a smoothie. It's it's a sp- that's that's perfect. It's a spoony. All right, now if anybody's hiring me for the nutrition part of it, but that doesn't help them with the strength necessarily. Yeah, so I mean, obviously there there are some things that they need to check the boxes on, and just just changing the program up, whether it's it's everything from a new voice, you know, to a new type of program um, that whoever they hire is is going to be able to bring in. And so they they do have a full time nutritionist. You got the sports science. You got the training staff. You got the nutritionist. You got the strength and conditioning coach. Those things all have to work together, um, in harmony for it to work. But um, I, I think you'll see some changes just in in what they do, how they train, uh, whether it's in the weight room or whether it's in conditioning. You're going to see some changes there, and um, the hope is that those will be beneficial. But um, I think maybe in the next week or two, I don't think this is a process that's going to drag out super long uh, unless something unforeseen happens. Um, there, there have been some NFL guys come up. There have been some college guys come up. And I think maybe in the next week or two, we'll probably see something happen. But, again, I would, I would think, just based on what we've heard, the profile, you know, probably a younger guy 
um, someone that's going to bring some different ideas to the table. So they have some January workouts, is that right? Does the team? They'll start full, like, team winter workouts will be in January. Does that necessarily preclude Carolina from hiring an NFL guy because most of those guys are still going to be working at that point? Well, um, no, no, it wouldn't because it'll be a little bit later in January. And so at least the the couple few names that we've heard, um, you know, may not be in that category that you're okay. talking about. May not be playoff teams. Is that yeah. What you're saying? yeah, right, yeah. right. But I, I, at this point, I just I don't know that it's going to be an NFL guy at this point. Um, okay. But but it would to answer your question, no, they, they've got some time that they can that they can play with. But I think, um, you know, in the next week or two, we might have a much better idea of of where it's going. Gamecock Central will keep you posted on all the names, on all the developments, especially if Wes and Chris think that's going to happen in the next week or two. Obviously, as I mentioned a couple times now, next week is early signing period. What do y'all do to prepare for that? Chris, I know you're hella busy. Are y'all already hella busy, or is this still the calm before the storm for y'all? There's no calm. I mean, the the, the no. business, the recruiting, well, like, like obviously. OC's, but... OC hires over. Like, Do you at least have till the weekend before you have no. to? No. So y'all are just no. y'all are in early signing period mode right now? Yeah, we need to get there if we're not. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> no, we, we've been the trying OC to. The thing was crazy, man. It was it like, was. it's kind of like the NBA offseason, I feel like. Mm. For Carolina fans, um, it was kind of funny. You can look at, like, we can watch our subscriber numbers go up and down or our traffic go up and down. That's right. Wes but, and Chris are watching, y'all. By the end of the year, though, you know, it was like everybody was just done with football. Mm-hmm. And then oh, as so soon well. as football was over and all this OC talk started, everything just spiked up because everybody's like, what's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh it, it's been interesting how how busy it's been there and I got to say Chris freaking nailed the OC search stuff. Um he can't brag about it but I can brag about him. So he nailed it. I, I mean he was I think ahead of the curve on all that stuff. So He knew it was Bobo um, before Bobo knew it was Bobo. Maybe did. He incepted so. it into Bobo's brain. Yep. You ever seen Inception, Chris? I have. Okay. Great movie. how that works. Yeah, I really like that movie. movie. I I think I saw it. I may have watched it twice, but if I watched it twice, the second time was like in 2009, so it's been a while since I've seen it, but I really liked it. I kind of don't want to watch it again, though, because it's like a nice preserved memory, and I don't exactly remember what was happening. I don't want to watch it again and either get more confused or have more clarity. I just kind of enjoyed the experience as is. I respect that. Do you watch it a lot? No. no, no. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. Does the dreidel fall? Or top or whatever it is. I don't know if it's a dreidel. It looks like a dreidel. No, it is a top, isn't it? Because it's rounded. It's a dreidel. Does it fall? I can't remember. And I don't. I, don't, well, I, mean, no, I know. I know it's, yeah, I know it's. Yeah. But I, I can't remember which one. I can't remember what my perception was. Like which mm. one? Chris, does the dreidel fall? Don't know. Did you make it out of clay? No. You know that song? Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of y'all. Don't, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Well, I knew the song. I yeah. forgot the line at okay. first. You didn't sing probably, it initially, so we should probably go now, right? Yeah. It's a good ending point, or it's not a good ending point, but we should end it. It is an anyway. ending point, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. A lot of other stuff. Colin Taylor and I are going to be doing our first South Carolina basketball podcast of the year later this week to preview the Clemson game. Those are going to be becoming a lot more regular, aiming for two times a week. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on here as Carolina continues to look for a strength and conditioning coach and players start to roll into the 2020 class officially. So rate, review, subscribe to the Gamecock Central yeah. Podcast Network, and you'll get a bunch of good stuff. Yeah, it's and pro- probably look for the pod a little bit earlier I'm thinking next Tuesday week. Of next week. Um, and then maybe, maybe, maybe we can do a twofer, like an early one and then a Dose. late one next week, a pre and a post National Signing Day, I'm thinking. Oh, just juicy. So right? if you don't want to miss it, rate, review, 
Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back next week. This is how you like pointing it this way. Well, it just needs to be more at your mouth because you do it like this. Like you think you're Howard Stern or something who has like the long call mics. Well, Howard Stern has the best sound quality of He does, but he has, um, what do you call those things? Well, why everybody, everybody that goes on his show, the artists that do a live performance, Mm -hmm. I said I wasn't going to come in here and start blabbing. All of them sound incredible. Like if you go watch the performances on YouTube, uh-huh. best quality ever, and a lot of times best performances by those artists. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.